This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Beverly Isla. Thanks for tuning in. Today's show is a rather big topic that not only relates to rescue dogs, but dogs in general. And that topic is allergies. And our guest today is Dr. Deva Kalsa, a holistic veterinarian that specializes in allergies. And she has a ton of valuable information to share with us. So if you need to, get out your pen and take some notes. When we get back with these messages, we will talk with Dr. Deva Kalsa. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-6, omega-3, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. And dogs love it. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. This is Henry Lukasevic for Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Dr. Deva Kalsa. She's a holistic veterinarian with a specialization in allergies and pets. So thank you for coming on today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Now we have a ton to cover. So first off, why did you specialize in allergies? I didn't exactly specialize in allergies. I specialized in holistic health and uh, I traveled all over the world and I learned from many different people. I took tons of human courses in every subject, field and modality that you can imagine. And it turns out that allergies are very common in dogs. Two of the things people would consider that I specialize in are cancer and allergies. Well, both are pretty epidemic. One in two dogs is going to get cancer, and so many dogs have allergies right now. And there are reasons for that. So actually, I had to simply take lots of human courses, lots of graduate courses in allergies in order to get really good at treating and curing allergies. Right, right. Holy crow, you actually deal with cats with two, those are two big ones, but good yeah, for you. Yeah, well, they're a big one. Yeah. Now, with rescue dogs, because in some cases their history is not known, oftentimes rescue organizations will have the dogs they take in, they'll get shots from the vet, uh, and I understand they are needed, especially if the dog has been on the streets for a while, but at what point is it too much for their well-being? That's a really good question and actually ties into allergies too. Let me go over vaccines so that people understand them because I think there's a lot of confusion with vaccines because people get them. They think they have to get every vaccine every year and that every vaccine works for a year and they're all very different. Dr. Ronald Schultz, who is one of the most prominent and famous veterinary immunologists in the world, who's now retired, did a lot of testing and immunological testing, as did Dr. Gene Dodds, who worked with him on many projects. And they found that one vaccination for distemper and parvo, one's distemper, one's parvo, and there's a DHPP, 
But the rest of it isn't really important. The distemper and parvo is. And with distemper and parvo, I'd like to delineate that you're vaccinating for a virus. And a vaccination for a virus is very different from vaccinating for a bacteria. Yes. So one distemper and parvo shot after 18 weeks of age is good for life. I recently had a client. She vaccinated her puppy. I don't know how old the dog was, 10 weeks of age. She really didn't want to vaccinate him again because vaccinations are implicit in causing allergies. And she said, well, you know, what should I do? And I said, well, Dr. Jean Dodds is having a sale on her titers. So why don't you just take titers? And if your dog has titers, Dr. Ronald Schultz says, one positive test. It doesn't matter if it's high or low or low positive. As long as it's positive, one positive test tells you that your dog is immune for life. It's just like we got our polio shot when we were two or three, and we don't worry that our elderly aunt who's 85 is going to get polio because she had her shot 82 years ago. So viral vaccinations work for a very, very long time. Now, there are other vaccinations that people are getting, thinking that they're being very proactive to prevent diseases in their dogs. And one of them is the leptospirosis vaccination. And with that, you're vaccinating against a bacteria. And there's strains of leptospirosis. Certain ones are in the vaccine. There's lots of strains of leptospirosis. It is not a common disease at all. It's a very dangerous vaccine in many ways. Dogs actually can die of it, get very sick. Their lymph nodes can blow up. Their spleen can blow up. But the point is that you're vaccinating against a bacteria for leptospirosis, and that vaccination creates immunity for maybe four months, maybe four months. So if you really want to keep your dog immune to leptospirosis, and if the vaccination indeed covers the strains that are in your area, and if your dog goes into water all the time and might get it, I'm not talking about ocean water, I'm talking about still water, then you would have to give your dog this leptospirosis vaccine to cover four times a year. The same goes with the Lyme vaccine that has very poor coverage. And a very common vaccine, the last one I'll go over, is the kennel cough one, which is called Bordetella. Once again, you're vaccinating for bacteria. And the next thing is is that this is a self-limiting upper respiratory tract infection, a little bit of colloidal silver, and the dog is usually fine. It's transmitted with groups of dogs, like in kennels, which is why it's called kennel cough. But again, now this is the University of Pennsylvania, which is my alma mater. This isn't a holistic perspective. I'm giving you facts on vaccines. Right. My alma mater says that if it works at all, the intranasal route works the best, but it doesn't prevent the disease. It just lessens the severity. So when we're running to give all these rescue dogs who have been stressed, who very well might have parasites, and who are emotionally upset, all these vaccines were actually doing them a disservice. I mean... If it was me, I would have the rescue dog, give him good food, give him good vitamins, some good nutrition. And then, you know, two weeks later, because the person who, who, want, who takes him wants to have a vaccine, give him the distemper and the parvo. But that's really all you have to do, you know, except for the wow. rabies. If they haven't had a rabies, which is legal, but you don't have to give all these vaccines. So I hope that answered your question. Oh, it does. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I always wondered, I'm like, wow. We're getting so many shots. Is this necessary? Because I used to foster dogs and I would I would be the one to take them to the vet and I would see how much is going in them. So that answers my question. And the thing is, the reason we're seeing an epidemic of allergies is because of the vaccinations. Because you're getting viruses that you pay for and viruses that you didn't pay for. Because other species oh. viruses contaminate the vaccine. I'll tell you a little story. Parvovirus wasn't a disease until about 1980, 1981. And when it happened, it occurred in three different countries simultaneously, Japan, England, and the United States. 
What actually happened was that the feline panleukopenia, which is also called feline distemper, that virus had been contaminating the dog vaccine for years, but then it decided to jump species. And it jumped species and created a brand new disease in dogs, which was parvo. So parvo is actually feline panleukopenia, having jump species. Now, viruses mutate and change a lot. So there's lots of different forms of the parvovirus right now, some more virulent than others, but the vaccine actually jumps species. Yeah. Wow. Well, didn't know that can happen. Jeez. Yeah, totally um, can. Oh, that's good to know. I did not know. So how can an owner know if their dog has allergies? Like what are the common signs? I'm sure there's, you know, the, the physical symptoms, but I'm sure there's subtle ones. Well, the first thing to know is that dogs have mast cells, and mast cells are the cells in your skin that make histamine that cause the itching at 10 times the concentration in their skin over what we have in our face. So when we have allergies, you know, you rub your eyes, your face gets red. And if we were set up like a dog, we'd be going into work and we'd we'd be itching our inner thighs and, you know, itching our buttocks telling everyone how bad the ragweed was because that's how dogs are set up. So they itch their entire body when they have an allergic reaction. And allergies can appear in a number of ways. Very few dogs get teary eyes. I mean, maybe one in a thousand. Mostly with allergies, you see two things in dogs. They itch or they have diarrhea. They have chronic diarrhea from food that you can't give them, you know, chicken, or if you give them beef, it's a mess. So one of those is called irritable bowel disease, which is simply an inflammatory response in the bowel, and mostly that's due to an allergy 99% of the time. And then the other is itching and scratching, you know, on their skin. And that's the two big ways that allergies show up in dogs. That said, I'll give you two caveats. And one of them is that food sensitivities and food intolerances are 10 to 15 times more common than allergies. And they're delayed reactions. So they occur a week to a month after you eat the food. So if you're busy changing your food on your dog and what they have is a sensitivity or intolerance, you feel like you're going to tear your hair out because, you know, you change the food and nothing happens. So that's the basis of allergies. But the thing is that because vaccinations have bits of chicken embryo in them, bits of bovine serum in them, some brewer's yeast and some other stuff, what happens is just like if you were, you know, leveling a gun out your window and and shooting a gang of ruffians that was attacking your house or your, you know, whatever, you wouldn't pick, you know, don't shoot the guy with the red hat, you know, don't shoot the guy with the black boots, don't shoot the, I'm not going to be, don't shoot the girl, you know, with the yellow sweater. So the body looks at chicken and looks at beef and says they must be enemies too. And so that's one of the reasons why it's very typical for veterinarians, the first thing they do when they see an allergic dog is to take them off of chicken and take them off of beef and put them on something like lamb. That would do it. Now I'm wondering, since you just mentioned the common signs, I have noticed some dogs where patches of fur would just come off. Okay, well, that's typically not allergies. Now, that can be be a fungus. There's a couple of things that happen, and... You know, some dogs can get ringworm, which is a fungus. There's a very good homeopathic remedy for that. It's called Bacillinum, B-A-C-I-L-L-I-N-U-M. You can actually get it on Amazon.com. couple doses, and it handles ringworm or fungus in dogs unbelievably well. But dogs can also get a yeast, which is, has a terrible name called Malazesia, and it used to be called Pityrosporum when I was in veterinary school, and then they changed the name on us. And it's a yeast that normally grows on the skin. And this yeast often shows up as dark, black, brownish, smells like 
you know, cheese or old corn chips in their ear. It's dark stuff in their ear. And some people think it's a dark wax and some people understand it's a yeast. And that yeast can also grow on their skin and it likes to grow where the sun don't shine, like on the underarms, you know, under the tail, under the chin, and in the ears, of course. That yeast is as itchy as allergies. And a dog who's a stray may have not had a good diet, may have not had good, you know, nutritional support, may have worms. And uh, with that, you have to look for that yeast. And if they have that musty smell, and by the way, the yeast likes oil. It likes oil. So greasy dogs like labs or Westies can be much more prone to this yeast called Malazesia than, let's say, a, a Doberman. Dachshunds also I, prone to this yeast. Okay. And that's, I'm assuming, could be treated, like you said, with the homeopathic remedy. Well, that's ringworm. Ringworm is treated with the remedy. Yeast is going to be strange. You wash them in Murphy's oil soap. Oh, I didn't know that. Murphy's oil soap is antibacterial, anti-yeast, and you wash them in Murphy's oil soap. And if they have it in their ears, you have to treat their ears. I like Zymox. makes an enzymatic product that kills the yeast, which works really, really well. Okay, great. Awesome. So we're just going to have a quick break, and we'll continue with holistic veterinarian, Dr. Deva Kalsa. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Today's episode is sponsored by Hanover Square Press and the secret language of cats. How to understand your cat for a better, happier relationship by Suzanne Schatz. Have you ever wondered what your cat is saying? In the secret language of cats, Schatz offers a crash course in cat phonics to help you crack the cat code. Perfect for the fans of The Lion in the Living Room and the Inner Life of Animals, The Secret Language of Cats by Suzanne Schatz is available for purchase today. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We have Dr. Dave Acosta on today talking about the topic of allergies in dogs. He's given some awesome information. So what recommendations do you have for those with dogs that have chronic allergies, rescue dog or not? I'm just let, let me give a plug for my book for a second, The Allergic yep. Pet, because that book really explains allergies in great detail. And it's broken up very nicely. And as you heard me talking in the first part, I sort of give a lot of information in a short period of time. It could be a little overwhelming. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad. So the the book is broken up with a lot of designs and pictures and did you know, so that at the end of the day, you really understand allergies. If you have a rescue dog that has allergies, the first thing you have to do is make sure he really has allergies. That's number one. Scabies is an epidemic. Scabies is an epidemic and it's sarcoptic mange. The mite lives very, very deep in the tissues, so a superficial skin scraping like the one done at your veterinarian is very likely, in fact, more than likely, not going to show up the mite. And if they went to a really good expensive dermatologist, they might say, let's put your dog under anesthesia and take 16 skin biopsies, and if the mite's there, we'll find them in one. But usually what you do is you treat. You treat for the scabies initially. Now, here's the thing about scabies. You can't find it in a scraping most of the time. And if you ever look in the textbook of how scabies are supposed to look, these dogs have crusty edges of their ear flaps. 
They have crusty elbows, and usually dogs never progress in this day and age to that bad. So the way I ask and figure out if it's scabies is, number one, does the dog itch at strange times? Like it's out for a walk and it's busy looking at everything, and it just sits down and starts scratching like crazy. Or is it ready to chase a squirrel and sits down and scratches like crazy? Or is it eagerly going to the food bowl and it sits down and scratches like crazy? Because most dogs with allergies itch when they're lying around. They don't itch when they're busy doing something. But the scabies dog will itch when he's doing something and get very, very itchy. The next thing is people can get little red bumps on their bodies. The mites actually don't replicate or reproduce in a person under their skin. They do under the dog. And so you're not going to get scabies per se, but you get these little funny itchy red clusters of red bumps. So if you think a dog has scabies, you would treat it with ivermectin, you know, per dose. And the first time you treat them, they'll itch like crazy because all the mites will be jumping ship and running around screaming. The second dose, a week later, they'll clear up immediately. And scabies is truly an epidemic. And if anyone is likely to have it, it's a rescue dog. So you've got to put scabies. You've got to put scabies on your radar. The next thing is um, that yeast, malazesia. So you've got to see, do they have, you know, orange peel looking or elephant skin looking skin on their underarms or their bellies or in any parts of their body because that's what malazesia looks like. And it's all in my book, too. And you can, you know, see if, if they smell musty, yeasty, like old shoes, you know, old cheese or corn, you know, that yeasty smell. And with that, you can wash them. You have to do it twice a week in the beginning with Murphy's oil soap. And if they have it in their ears, treat their ears. So now we have a dog that has allergies, right? Now we've gone through all of those. And whenever I take a case, because I do phone consults from all over the world, I'm like Columbo. I do a very detailed (laughs) look at the records and everything. You know, I treat and I eliminate allergies in pets. But if I treat to eliminate the allergy and there's still a yeast, it ain't going to look good. They're not going to get better because the yeast is as itchy as allergies. Then when you have an allergy, and I don't, I'm talking almost too long here, but when you have an allergy, It's a whole nother can of worms and another story because an allergy is an inappropriate response of the immune system. And it's sort of like your computer has been invaded by a virus. And so the way that the immune system is reacting is inappropriate. A piece of chicken should be a friend. A blade of grass should be a friend. Treating allergies, and I'm going to do that very short, most of the drugs that are given suppress the immune system. But in my practice and what I explain in my book is a holistic, more organic way of treating allergies and correcting the immune system's response. Hallelujah. And they can get a hold of it on Amazon, correct? Also on your website? Yeah, The Allergic Pet, it's on Amazon. I have a site that sells specific stuff for allergies too, and that's called Deserving Pets. You know, sounds just spells just like it sounds, Deserving Pets. And I also have a site that I put together called Allergy Elimination for Pets, and it's the number four. So it's allergy elimination, number four, pets.com. And that site has videos, explanations, articles on malazesia, articles on lots of things on the blog so people can read them. And it also explains how allergies work. So it's good because if you don't have the book and you want to take a look, you can. It's got some videos that you can look at. And it gives you some information on how to treat allergies. Perfect. Awesome. Now, with rescue organizations, what can they do when they're onboarding a rescue dog to take in? Because I know some of them can be pretty selective on who to take in. Any recommendations for them? You're talking about there's an itching dog and should you bring him into your house or not? Uh, No, for rescue organizations to take in a dog for them to to try to find a home. I know they take the ones that will likely be adopted, but some of them, if if they think the condition is too bad, they won't take 
that dog in. Um, well, I mean, there, there could be a beautiful dog that has a great temperament, and that dog has scabies, and that is the easiest and cheapest yeah. thing to treat. With ivermectin by weight, once a week for three weeks, wash the bedding so that the mites don't hang around and jump back on the dog. Wash the area, and the dog is good to go. That, I, I don't know what to tell you, because I would imagine that there are so many dogs that need homes. You know, where do they come from? This may sound strange, like, uh, um, you know, but do people, do dogs just run around in the street and breathe? Do people breed their general, you know, no, their general dog for fun next to their neighbor, um, to their neighbor Joey's dog? Or do people get these dogs and then not take care of them, leave it in the street, abandon the dogs, or, or bring them back to the pound because they never trained them? Where do they all come from? All of the above, I'm assuming, because, yeah, exactly. They're, it just multiplies so quickly. I guess so. I mean, it's, it is amazing when you think of it. I, I mean, a dog does have quite a number of puppies. But then again, they don't have, you know, compared to ours, that long of a life. You know, 15 years would be good, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, and lots of people have kids and lots of people have multiple dogs. But it just must be irresponsible behavior toward toward dogs, wouldn't you oh, think? a large proportion, I think, is that. Oh, That's really yeah. sad to me. That's really sad to me. It is. It is. So what suggestions do you have for those adopting dogs so that their health is optimal? And I think, you know, educating those adopting would really help. Yes, it absolutely would. But when they adopt the dog, they're, if he's itching, and that's what we're talking about, you have an yeah. itching dog. Well, you see, it's a tricky thing because I see so many cases that I deal with on the phone, and these people have been going to their local vet. I mean, I, I had a big practice in Pennsylvania, and so every once in a while, people who are my patients there will call me when a problem is going on that's been going on forever. And, you know, they'll call me, and, and I'll say, and I'll take the case, and I'll say, your dog has sarcoptic mange. And, you know, they had just been sent to a dermatologist. They decided to call me instead after two years of playing around, and their dog oh, wow. does. I can tell you that this yeast problem and this scabies problem is not picked up by veterinarians as quickly as one would think because I do all the phone calls. Why is that? Well, number one, they don't see him in a skin scraping. And I don't know how... I, uh, they don't, you know, because you do a superficial skin scraping and you don't see scabies mites and you say... The dog doesn't have scabies mites. Now, the, the one thing that rescue dogs can get is Demodex. Demodex is a different kind of mite. Scabies looks like a little crab, and Demodex looks like a, a little cigar. And Demodex, when you scrape the skin, you see it immediately. Okay. And it's, it's because their immune systems aren't up to par. Demodex mites normally live on the skin, but they overgrow when their immune system is not up to par. And there's one more mite I should tell you about, the Chylotiella mite. It's called the dandruff mite because the dog has very, very flaky skin and is very itchy, but he has these big flakes that come off. And all you have to do is wash them in a pyrethrin shampoo and boom, one, one shampooing and the, and the mite is gone. Wash the bedding, one shampoo, and you're done with that mite. You know, so the thing is, if you adopt a dog, you're not going to really know what's causing the itching, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's the whole thing. You're not going to know. There are certain things that are pretty easy. You know, scabies is easy. Chylotiella mites are very easy to deal with. Um, the malazesia oftentimes occurs in conjunction with allergies because the allergies increases the inflammation and the moisture in the skin. But the malazesia, you just wash them more often. You give them a good diet. Now, as far as allergies, I have a therapy that actually completely eliminates allergies. You simply don't have an allergic dog anymore. That's the allergy elimination for pets. It eliminates it. Otherwise, everything else that's given is a suppressive treatment that yeah. takes whatever yeah. is working in the dog's immune system and makes it not work so that it doesn't respond to the allergies, and then you're stuck with a lifetime of allergies. 
Yeah. And Even if you get a purebred dog and you talk to the breeder and you go through everything and you figure it all out, quite honestly, you don't know if they're going to get allergies or not. Well, that's true. That's a very tricky thing. Now, your book, The Allergic Pet Holistic Solutions to End the Allergy Epidemic in Our Dogs and Cats, does that talk about the therapy that you mentioned? Yes, it does. The whole last chapter is on it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. That's where they can learn about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can learn about it on that site too, Allergy Elimination for Pets, because that's what the therapy is called. Ah, perfect. Okay. And one last quick question. So you're a holistic veterinarian. Do you recommend owners look for a holistic veterinarian over a mainstream veterinarian, I guess? I can't necessarily say that. What you want is a competent veterinarian. A lot of people use me as their global navigating system. They call me for a healthy puppy consult because they don't want to overdo vaccines and they don't want to overdo flea and tick preventive or heartworm. I mean, there's people in Minnesota who have their dogs on heartworm preventive all year round. I mean, it's freezing there in January, February, December in Minnesota. They don't really need that toxin. So what's happening in veterinary medicine is (sighs) there's a lot of stuff being given out without a lot of thought. You go into the vet, they give the dog vaccines, they put a spot-on product at the same time, they treat them for heartworm at the same time. And these spot-on products, just, I don't want to go over my time, but these spot-on products, it's like making your dog into a poison-soaked sponge, whether it's a collar, Mm -hmm. uh, an oral, or a spot-on. What happens is they're so soaked in poison for that one to three months that if a flea or tick bites them, its feet are sticking up towards the sky within seconds. So if you don't need them, don't use them. If it's a time of year when there's not a problem and there's not going to be, don't use them. And if you have two little Maltesers that go in your backyard and never see anything else, don't use it at all. Wait to see if they even uh, have a problem. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I always thought less was better, but... Oh, but I didn't answer your question. The thing is, you want a competent veterinarian, and you want a veterinarian that you can have a dialogue with. I mean, I have my book, which is Dr. Kloss's Natural Dog. If you read that, you get a real idea. You don't, you know, even if you're, you don't even know a thing about holistic or you're not even into it, when you read it, you'll be such a smarter, you'll be a much smarter pet owner. And then if you have a veterinarian who you can dialogue with, who's a competent vet and who cares, you can read my books and know what to refuse or how to use it or what to do and how to discuss vaccines intelligently. And if they're willing to do it, that's fine because a holistic vet doesn't necessarily mean they're competent and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not into over-vaccinating. Believe me, it might be that they do acupuncture and that's it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that they come in all flavors, all flavors and colors. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good thing your book will, is out there on the market. I believe it would be very, very useful. So thank you so much for your some valuable information. Uh, if you want to check out Dr. Deva's work and what she's all about, go to, well, drdeva.com and check out Amazon to check out her book. Thank you to our guest and our show producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for our show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.